Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rotor World Football Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I am joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Nick Minzio to talk about the best starts of championship week. So hopefully you're in your finals, and, and Nick's going to give you the guys that are that are going to get you there. Also, later in the show, as always, I'll talk to Rich Rebar about his worksheet column, some of the most interesting data points from that. So make sure you stay tuned for that as well. Before we get to all of that action, however, I would like to mention the best way that you can help out the podcast is by rating and reviewing wherever you find it. If you've already done it, thank you very much. We very much appreciate it. If you haven't, take a little bit of time. If you've listened to us all year, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, wherever you find it, rate the show, write a review. We really appreciate it. It helps other people find the show, and it helps us in the rankings. So, so again... We really appreciate it. All right, with that out of the way, let's uh, let's get to it. What's up, Nick? What's going on, Ray? Two weeks left, man. I guess one week left for fantasy. What two weeks left in the regular season? There is there are two weeks left for some fantasy leagues. Which again, talk to your commissioner. Yeah, you got to you got to do something about it. You can't play week seventeen season long fantasy. Not not at all. No, for sure not. Even you know DFS is fun week seventeen because there's a lot of there's a lot of guessing going on. But yeah, the season long, it just. It can end, but I mean, I'm excited about this week. I'm in three finals. I'm in one third place game, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this week. And actually, we're going to try to set some of my lineups right here at the top because we're going to talk about <laughs> Julio Jones and A.J. Green, who both look like they're coming back this week. I have both of them on teams that are in headed to the championship, Julio in one, A.J. in another. So I'm going to have to decide whether or not I'm going to trust these guys coming back off multiple injuries uh, this week in the fantasy championship. So, which way are you leaning on on either of those guys? I, I guess who he was going to play is, would be my guess. I mean, it doesn't sound like he had like too serious of an injury. Just the Falcons were playing it super safe against the Rams and 49ers. Games they easily won. Games they knew they were going to easily win. And I guess they're they're going to want him back for this division game, even though it's it's not a huge game. Saying like the Panthers aren't very good, but I mean it's a big game for the division. Good big game for the playoff picture. And I just. I think he's going to play, but I don't like this spot too much against James Bradbury. Bradbury's playing awesome ball lately, and I just I think Jones is going to be out there more as a decoy. Really? I mean, it seems like to me that if it hadn't been the Rams and 49ers, especially last week with the 49ers, 
he would have played. And I know that he's kind of tamped it down a little bit, but they've given him a full two weeks off. He started practicing early. The Panthers definitely play better defense at home, and, and they didn't have Bradbury last time. But I mean, it does mean something that he went for 300 the last time he played. Last time he played the Panthers, so I. I think I'm going on the other side of it. I think that if Julio's active, I, I, I just can't sit him because of that upside. On, oh, yeah, for sure. On Green, I'm, I'm, I'm on a – I think Green's a much tougher case than, than Julio because he has a worse matchup in Houston. Although, like you said, the Panthers are playing better pass defense. They they play better pass defense at home for sure. So so it is a tougher matchup than maybe it looks on paper. But A.J. Green playing in Houston, I think he has a, he has a worse matchup. I, I'm really not sure about A.J. Green's health. I, I guess the way you feel about Julio is the way I feel about Green – it seems like maybe he's trying to come back just to get a thousand yards, which is which is kind of surprising. So I'm I don't really Green is the one I'm really questioning. How do you feel about him this week? Yeah, I'm trying to get a read on him too. I know uh, Marvin Lewis is big on like getting in a full practice. I know AJ Green was limited on Wednesday. We'll have to see what he does on Thursday and Friday. But if he doesn't get a full practice in this week, he's not going to play. I mean, ESPN's Bob Holtzman has been all over that the past couple of weeks. He he he's from that area knows knows the Bengals well, so. We'll have to see what happens with Green, but I just want to make it clear: if if Jones is Julio's active, I'm definitely not going to sit him at all. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that, but I just wouldn't get like my hopes up for like another 300 yard game or 200 yard game even. Well, that's what I'm planning on. Obviously, <laughs> when, I, when I when I'm looking at my road to the fantasy championship, I'm just penciling in 40 points for Julio. I'm thinking that that's definitely going to happen. No, I agree with you on Green. I, we'll have to see. We'll have to pay attention. I mean, they play on unfortunately they play on Christmas Eve night. So you're going to have to make that decision in the morning. Hopefully, hopefully we'll know on Friday what it's going to look like. A guy that I think we already know if he's going to play or not is Melvin Gordon, who has missed the first two days of practice. Your main sideline on Wednesday. It really doesn't look like he's going to play this week. So even after he struggled last week, we have to now make a decision on Kenneth Farrow. Can you can you sit him against the Browns or, or is he that matchup just too good that even after that disappointing disappointment last week, we need to put him in our lineup. Which way are you leaning? Matchup's too good. I got to play him if I have him. RB3 flex. I wouldn't like expect like a RB1 numbers, top 12 finish, top 15 finish or anything like that. But I think top 20 is definitely within reason against this defense. I'm, I know he was bad last week. I think what you say, he had 17 touches for, what, 53 total yards, fumbled twice. I think he lost one of those fumbles. Maybe it was uh, rookie rookie jitters, we'll say, but I think this is a good bounce back spot for him, especially in DFS where people will just be jumping off the bandwagon after last week's after last week's uh, performance. No, I completely agree in DFS. He will be a he'll be a staple of my of my tournament lineups, and I, I haven't I haven't looked at the prices yet, so I don't know what's happened to him, but I wouldn't imagine his price went up too dramatically, even even after that kind of after that after that uh bad bad performance that he had there there i can speak english so i <laughs> i think that i i agree with you completely and like you said the matchup i mean teams just don't have to throw against the browns i like philip rivers this week we're going to talk a little bit later about Dontrell inman who who i know you like and i agree with you but teams just don't have to throw against the browns they face the fourth fewest passing attempts this season and that's not a surprise so i think the chargers even in cleveland i like them to i like them to win this game and uh, and I like Pharaoh to have a, a pretty big one. So let's talk. Let's move on and, and let's talk about Adrian Peterson, who was a a hot topic last week. He's going to be a hot topic again this week. But he sat out practice on Wednesday. He said he's going to take his availability for Saturday's game against the Packers. 
day by day. He was not in very good form in his return last week. The Vikings are basically eliminated from the playoffs. Do you even think he's going to play this week? And and even if he does, is there any way that you're putting him in a fantasy line? My money would be on him playing. I just... I he's going to do any, anything he can to get out there. And I think the Vikings will let him play, but I, I'm not going to play him. I mean, this offensive line is horrible. Peterson is averaging 1.9 yards per carry on the season. That's only through three games, obviously, but still horrible. Uh, he does. He didn't look anywhere close to being full health last week. I know this Packers run defense is playing a little bit better is actually worse than they were earlier in the season. So that's, that's a plus for him. But I, I mean, I, there's very little indicators that point to Peterson having a successful week this week. And he had a mountain of evidence working against him last week. And so it's not like anything has changed. And now he's just maybe a little bit more banged up. It was clear he wasn't healthy. All the things you mentioned, the fact that they want to run out of the shotgun, although they they went under center for his runs, it just, it doesn't work. It's not meshing. This offense is not built for him. And I, I'm very confused why they are, why he's forcing his way back or why they are letting him come back. It just doesn't make any sense for Peterson to be playing. I'm not. I mean, I'm not it, convinced it, he's going to play. By the way, I just. But I agree with you. If he plays, it, it's it's not going to be pretty. I mean, isn't like every starting lineman hurt too? I know right guard Brandon Fusco didn't practice today. Uh, Joe Berger, what I think he went on IR last week. I don't even know, but they just don't have any guys that can even block up front at all. Yeah, it's a mess. And I mean, Diggs is out now. We don't know about Thalen. It's just it's a mess. That is that is some that's a place you definitely want to avoid. An, another place you might want to avoid is the Kansas City passing game, which is a little upsetting because Jeremy Macklin had a bounce back game against the Titans. He had six catches for 82 yards, but this week he gets the Broncos, and we know what the Broncos can do to opposing passing games. So, do you think he's going to build on that performance of last week, or do you think he's going to face plant in a bad matchup? Yeah, I think it's a face plant face plant game for Macklin for sure. I know he led the led the Chiefs in targets, yards, catches last week. He looked. He looked extremely healthy, definitely the healthiest he's looked since that injury. Played over 90% of the snaps. I mean, but look at his two games against Denver last year. Four catches, 57 yards, no touchdowns. Three catches, 17 yards, no touchdowns. He just doesn't do it against against this pass defense. And Chris Harris and Nakeem Sleeve are healthy going to the Pro Bowl. Not that anyone cares about Pro Bowls, but they're awesome players. Top two top two cornerbacks at pro football focus. So I'm just not going to attack the the uh outside receivers in this offense. I, I like Travis Kelsey a little bit, though. He had 15 targets against him last game, but that was obviously without Macklin. I'm really struggling right now with who to rank higher between Macklin or Tyree Kill. And Hill obviously had his breakout game against the Broncos in Week 12, but he has not played 50 more than 52% of the snaps since that game. He saw just three targets with Macklin back last week against the Titans. So I don't, I don't know if we're starting anybody against the Broncos, but if you are, which one of those two do you think you like better, Hill or Macklin? Oh man, it's either the home run or or the floor. I mean, I'd probably have to take the floor with Macklin, but if I'm if I'm trying to if I need points on Christmas night where I'm trying to make a huge comeback, you got to play Hill. Yeah, I I think I'm with you that Hill. Like I I just I don't see a scenario in which Macklin, unless he finds the end zone, which which happens. You know, touchdowns are are fluky and they're very hard to predict. If he finds the end zone, then this is all this is all moot. But if, if Macklin doesn't find the end zone, I mean, what are we looking at? Four points. Hill obviously has the big play potential. We know what he he gave the Broncos a ton of trouble last time, although you can bet that Wade Phillips is going to have watched that tape and uh, right. and, and figure out some ways to stop him. So it, it's one that I'm really struggling with. It's one that I'll probably go back and forth with all week for sure. Right now I'm leading Hill because of the home run threat, but but I, I will I will go back and forth. 
All right, let's let's get to some guys you actually like. Let's finish on a positive note for a change. You always do the bad stuff last. Let's finish on the positive, and let's start with Kenny Britt, who even with Jared Goff being absolutely terrible, Britt has managed to remain a reliable fantasy asset over the last five weeks, which is a, a kind of a statement to how good he's been this year. So now he gets the 49ers. Obviously, that's a great matchup. How highly should we value Britt this week? Yeah, I definitely would be comfortable using Britt as my wide receiver three. I think he could finish as a top 25 receiver this week. The Rams are considerably up, considerably up in pace this week against the 49ers' fastest-paced offense, and their defense faces the most plays per game on, on that side of the ball, and they just lost top cornerback top cornerback Jimmy Ward to a broken collarbone last week. So this defense is just in shambles. And and Kenny Britt over the past four weeks is actually ninth among receivers and targets per game, averaging nine per game over that span. So, I mean, he's getting fed the ball and he's what, like 13 yards away from a thousand this season. So he's been like the only bright spot on this offense this year. And I'm actually kind of on Todd Gurley as well. And that, I don't like that at all. I don't like the way that makes me feel, but I, I'm kind of on him. I mean, volume has not been the problem, especially with Benny Cunningham out for the season. And this is as good a matchup as a running back can have. I I think he has a pretty good shot to top 100 yards for, what, the second time this year? Uh, total yards. Yeah. Can, you imagine, right. uh, can you imagine at the beginning of the year that we thought that, that he would be this bad? And I also think he has a good shot at a touchdown. So just just something to file away. I'm, I'm kind of in on Gurley. Although if you used a first-round pick on Gurley, you, you might not be playing – uh, this week anyway so maybe that's just maybe that's just for dfs and then finally Dontrell inman i mean we've talked about him on the podcast on tuesday with, with josh i talked about the fact that he's been the most consistent receiver in san diego for the last several weeks he has a dream matchup with the browns we it, like we talked about it looks like melvin gordon is not going to play is inman kind of bordering on a must start this week yeah i would definitely say must start i would be if i if i own any chargers pass catchers i'd be looking to play in this week travis benjamin the revenge game narrative he has going for him heading back to Cleveland Tyrell Williams I mean he, he hasn't looked healthy the past few weeks but I'd even roll him back out there Hunter Henry I'd even consider streaming as a back end tight end one Antonio Gates obviously great spot as well but like you like you pointed out in your waiver wired waiver wired column earlier this week uh Inman's had at least 43 yards in, in his last eight games averaging seven targets in that span I mean he's, he just has a super nice floor and this matchup is just awesome I mean the Chargers aren't going to have to throw the ball a ton, but when the targets are, when the passes are getting thrown and men seeing targets. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what you love. And even if they have, even if rivers throws 35 times, which might be all he throws it, even if he throws 35 times, you'd like to think Inman's getting, you know, seven of those, which, which is right. plenty to do damage against the Browns. All right. Excellent stuff. As always, Nick's column every week's a must read. It's up on rotorworld.com right now as you're listening to this. So make sure you go check it out. You can also find Nick on Twitter at, Nick Minzio, or every single Thursday on this very episode of the Rotor World Football Podcast. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yep, good luck in those championship games. And we are back with Rich Rebar. You can find him on Twitter at Lord Reeves, and you can find his must read weekly column, the worksheet every single Wednesday on rotoworld.com, or you could find him on this episode of the Rotor World Football Podcast. Thanks for coming on, Rich. Um, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. Here we are. You know, m- Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone else that doesn't celebrate Christmas. You get some days off at least. Uh, we made it. Week 16, you know, championship week for a lot of people in seasonal leagues. You know, of course, uh, by the numbers game, a lot of people aren't playing. But hopefully, they're still playing some DFS or, you know, d- you know, dabbling in some other avenues to at least keep these football games that are staying entertaining for themselves. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm uh, I'm involved in both, so I'm looking forward to to your thoughts on some players. And let's get started with Russell Wilson, who broke out a bit against the Rams on Thursday night. He threw multiple touchdown passes for the first time since Week 10 on just 26 attempts. He was held in check by the Cardinals in Arizona earlier this year, but he's at home this week. Do you expect him to fare a little bit better against them? Yeah, and last week might be the first week all season long I got Russell Wilson right. Like, it took took us 15 weeks, so I mean, I'm going to try to go back-to-back here, because uh, I'm into him again. I mean, he's largely been a letdown, like I said, for fantasy other season, but he's been a little steadier at home. He's, you know, nine touchdowns, three interceptions, nothing mind-blowing. And the, and the road is also giving the Arizona Cardinals, you know, issues. They're allowing 29.7 points per game on the road. That's 29th in the NFL. Um, that's opposed to 18.4 four points per game at home. The Cardinals have also allowed three straight top 10 scoring quarterbacks in the past two have been top five uh, and allowing a top five game to Drew Brees is one thing, but you know, Ryan Tannehill was the guy before that and he got knocked out of the game and was still a top five guy. He even threw one pass 20 yards backwards in that game. Uh, <laughs> the other element here is that, you know, Wilson's finally gotten a little bit mobile again and Arizona, if you look at the season, they've had a wealth of trouble containing mobile quarterbacks. Tyrod Taylor, Colin Kaepernick, Blaine Gabbert, Cam Newton, all those guys had 40 or more rushing yards against them. Ryan Tannehill added another 20 and all those players had QB one weeks except for uh, the exception of Cam Newton there. So I think Russell Wilson rolls it over uh, uh, against the team that really has nothing left to play for and has kind of, you know, hit the skids here, you know, to end the season. And I'd like to just mention the Cardinals could not handle Brandon Cook's speed last week. You would think that the Seahawks would would try to exploit that weakness maybe with Tyler Lockett. So if you're looking in DFS, if that's where you are right now and you're looking for someone to pair, I think that uh, I think that Lockett's not not a bad bet, especially with all the work he's been seeing recently. Speaking of guys, saw a lot of work. Ty Montgomery, about time they finally gave him the work, and he he was let loose against the Bears, and he destroyed them for 162 yards and two touchdowns on just 16 carries. Is he a top 12 running back at this point? Yeah, as the, as the world of you know Ty Montgomery has turned for fantasy this season, it's been a weird year with him. You know, we got excited, then he got sick, and then Mike McCarthy, you know, is hesitant on like you know expanding his role. And he started to get slowly get some more snaps while James Starks was being ineffective. And finally, last week, we got a full glimpse of his potential that he could have as a running back. When he played 84% of the Week 15 snaps, that was not only a season high for him, but it was the highest rate for any Green Bay running back on the season. As you mentioned, he turned those into 163 total yards uh, and two touchdowns on his way. He was the wide receiver two overall and the RB3 overall last week, because we know he has that dual eligibility in a lot of leagues. Uh, while expecting the same type of output, output would be lofty, the Vikings have allowed 122 rushing yards per game since their week six bye. They just allowed 161 rushing yards to the Colts of all teams at home. Uh, while Montgomery still holds, you know, some receiving upside as well out of the backfield. I mean, if you can play him as a wide receiver, I think that's even more stellar given how volatile the position, the, the nature of the position is, uh, but team context matters, and he has a lot of value as a running back as well, and I think he is a, a top 12 running back play. And you mentioned that they, I mean, that the Colts ran all over them with with a backup offensive line, essentially ran mm-hmm. all over the Vikings, so you're really not worried about that at all. Uh, a matchup that I am a little bit worried about is Alshon Jeffries likely against Josh Norman, but there's another receiver in in Chicago, and that's Cameron Meredith, who, even with Jeffrey back last week, remained heavily involved in the offense. He looks to have found his home as the Bears' new slot receiver. Do you like him a little bit this week? Yeah, I do. Well, everyone is definitely excited about Alshon Jeffrey's return last week. I was just kind of sad, to be honest, because I drafted Alshon Jeffrey a lot. 
and those leagues were dead. And so seeing him do that was a little bittersweet. Uh, you know, Meredith once again led the Bears in targets and receptions. He now has 34 targets over the past four weeks, uh, which includes that snow-filled game in San Francisco where they hardly even really threw. He's got back-to-back top 12 scoring weeks. And as you mentioned, a big part of his revival outside of Matt Barkley being competent is that he's moved into the slot now. Meredith has run 75.2% of his routes from the slot over the past four weeks. That's opposed to just 33.5% prior. Uh, and that gives a big advantage to a guy that's six foot three, 200 pounds, you know, going against a lot smaller players. Uh, and the slot is where he'll also completely avoid, avoid uh, Josh Norman, like you kind of mentioned. I mean, Washington has now moved Brashad Breeland into slot the past two weeks, but he's still far lesser of the evils there. Uh, and slot guys have had their way with Washington all season long. Stephon Diggs, Larry Fitzgerald, Eli Rogers, Sterling Shepard, Jordan Matthews, all those guys have had top 20 uh, scoring weeks facing Washington. So I like Meredith as a good hedge to everyone being excited off of uh, Jeffrey's return last week. And Washington is dealing with a few injuries. I mean, they have Quentin Dunbar. Looks like he's going to be out. Greg Toller, he wasn't on the injury report this week, but they said that he suffered a concussion, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. They, we might see Kendall Fuller back in the slot. I think that uh, there's, there's definitely some reasons to like Cameron Meredith. I also think there are lots of reasons to, li- to like our final guy here, Zach Ertz, who has been shockingly good over the last several weeks. And if you're going to attack the Giants' defense through the air, you're going to attack them over the middle with the tight ends. Do you think that Ertz is a top five option this week? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll probably end up saying he's going to be higher by the end of this. I mean, Ertz has been really hot since the Eagles started just, you know, kind of winging the ball all over the place. He leads all tight ends and targets at 53, receptions at 34, and fantasy points uh, 80.2 over the past five weeks. He's been a top 10 scorer uh, in six of his past seven games. Uh, the Giants face the most pass attempts per game at just under 41. Uh, and all they, although they kind of look decent totality versus tight ends, it's more due to them just not allowing touchdowns to really anyone. Uh, you know, but they've allowed the seventh most receptions, the sixth most receiving yards to the position, including eight for 97 to Ertz himself in week nine. Um, I, and now with Greg Olson's, you know, elbow injury, I think Ertz might be the best PPR tight end play on the board this week. You know, when you look at the, the fantasy landscape for tight end this week. Wow. That is, that's going out there. And I, I really can't dispute it. I mean, it's just, he has been that good, especially in PPR that you, you have to start treating him that way. And then if you're playing that, that Thursday night DFS slate, I don't really like using Thursday night guys, but he is, he's going to be one of the better price tight ends out there for sure. Thanks as always for coming on, Rich. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find his work at rotoworld.com. You can also find Nick Minzio's work at Rotoworld. Follow him at Nick Minzio. I am RM Summerlin on Twitter, and we will talk to you next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.